0: This edition of 100 Not Out is proudly brought to you by our 2018 longevity experience to the Greek island of Ikaria. Known as the island where people forget to die, Ikarians experience 80% less dementia, 50% less cancer, and 20% less heart disease and live longer than anyone else on the planet. To find out why this is and experience Ikaria for yourself, come join myself Damien Christoph and an intimate group of like-minded souls for an all-inclusive 9-night, 10-day life-changing immersion. Watch the highlights video, get all of your info and apply on over at 100notout.com. Thewellnesscoach.com, streaming wellness into your
1: lives. Welcome
0: to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce the co-founder of the Wellness Couch and the Wellness Guys. He is the master of wellness. He is Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, great man.
1: Hello, Piercy Thank you so much. Nice intro. You're speaking really fast, so we must have a lot to cover today.
0: I'm excited. A lot had to a peppermint cover. tea. No coffee this morning, just a peppermint yeah. tea to spruce oh, me up. I heard you
1: sipping that before. Yeah. yeah I was wondering it was what just, that was. Uh, it was music chai to your ah, ears,
0: wasn't it? The uh, peppermint <laughs> tea just just drizzling uh, down
1: your earlobe. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> the old meso-masticophonia thing, just kicking it in like it is no good. No now, Before good.
0: we go any further, we must mention that this episode of 100 Not Out proudly brought to you by the 100 Not Out Mediterranean Longevity Experience, June 25 to July 4, 2018 huh? on the Greek island of Icaria, the island where people forget to die. For more information to uh, check it out, go to 100notout.com. Now, Damien.
1: <clears throat> yes, Marcus. You are the master of wellness. Oh, do about um, that. Well, and, give it a go. Give it a nudge.
0: And I've been reading a lot, as I've shared on a couple of recent episodes, the, the book that I'm reading at the moment, Mastery by Robert Green. And one of the great chapters of the book is talking about the value of an apprenticeship. And in the old days, an apprenticeship was largely a seven-year gig, very low-paid and uh, oh, it was all about imagine getting, learning.
1: Imagine getting a millennial to do seven years for free.
0: Seven years, I tell you what.
1: And it was that's pretty much free, isn't it? Like, yep. Yeah, you wouldn't get a millennial. You was, wouldn't get many people. <laughs> and this this
0: apprenticeship uh, was it was thorough. By the time that apprentice was um, was uh, finished the apprenticeship, they were actually known as a master. So they master, were very they were master well
1: builders, master plumbers. That's all, right.
0: All of that they were they were so good at their trade, whatever it was, whether they were a bookbinder, a painter, a chef, whatever it was, a builder. Yes. And it got me thinking, and you and I have had some conversations, and I thought, you know what, let's make this off-air conversation an on-air one. Let's put it on an episode of 100 Not Out. The value of an apprenticeship has largely been lost, which Robert Green mentions in the book that many people skip this phase um, mm. of their working life. And I thought to you, wise man, I know you feel strongly about this. What do we do in order to drive home the value of an apprenticeship to people? Let's share some of our own apprenticeship stories and, and hopefully people listening here will feel inspired if they haven't done one already to embark on an apprenticeship in their own life.
1: Oh mate, I think look, an apprenticeship's not just spending time doing, you know, the menial tasks and but it's actually learning from the ground up. Like it's learning everything, the simple stuff, the medium you know, mediumly challenging stuff all the way through to the exceptionally challenging stuff to then become masterful in the whole of what it is that you're doing. And with the invention, I suppose, of um, RTO, the registered training organisations, these RTOs, and all these simple degrees that kind of come out, simple qualifications, people kind of get a glossy, um, you know, maybe front cover on a on a training manual and then they, they get to call themselves something and all of a sudden that's something Appears to be a legitimate qualification that some people will then think they can go out and masterfully practice something, whether it be carpentry, whether it be plumbing, whether it be being a sparky, whether it be you know massage. Uh, in massage, whether it be a personal trainer, whether it be a nutritionist, whether it be you know whatever it is. The absence of um, appropriate training, the absence of uh, that. that the master teaching the student, the absence of that has eroded the quality of, um, of of what we get access to these days. And so, so often, you know, people are so surprised when they come across a master, they're surprised that they can actually do what they say they can do. They go, wow. You know, the other day, you know how I love my hairdresser, my, my barber. I said to him, I said to him, I come here because you're so good at it. I love the ceremony. I love the hot towels. I love that you wear like a barber uniform. I love, I love all of that. I love everything about it. And he goes, but this is just what we do. And I said, yeah, but not everyone does. He goes, yeah, but that means that they're not really barbers. He goes, they might know how to cut hair, but they might not know how to shave your neck or they might not know, you know, what to do to prep or what, you know, all the, you know, do your eyebrows, all the things, right, that that a barber would do, he does because he's a proper barber. You know what I mean? That's just his job. And so he said it's really weird that people thank me for the service that they get because I think that I'm just doing my job. But what he realizes is a whole lot of other people out there that are doing a mediocre job. And so they're surprised when they get a master Mm. doing it, if you know what I mean. So it's a great point you make.
0: There is nothing more compelling than watching a master at work. I still remember having this – little epiphany in Ikaria when everyone said they loved watching Athena make bread or was it the uh, zucchini pie, not the spanakopita. It's the uh, zucchini pie. They yeah. loved watching Athena make something so simple as a pie. They didn't. They actually loved watching that more than being in the kitchen making their own meal. They were yep. enamored by watching a master at work. And even though you don't have much hair on your head, Damien Christophe, <laughs> there is something special yes. about the experience of being in a master's presence. Someone that has done the work, as you said, from the ground up. Nothing tactical about it. It's it's from the ground up. It's Thorough, like you said, it's towels, it's neck, it's eyebrows, it's a bit of hair on the head, it's everything, but it's done with. If we want to get a little bit touchy feely here, it's done with love.
1: It's like a caress. It's yeah. nice, but you know what happens if you don't? If you're not, if you're not a hundred percent, like if you're not tip top, like if you, if people aren't screaming, raving fans and they're not sending people to you cuz you're so unbelievably good. You get bells and whistles and you get lights and flashing stuff and then you stand on soapboxes and you become an evangelist. And this that's is a, what we're seeing this is what we're seeing these days.
0: That's a huge call. So just repeat that. If you don't if you don't do your apprenticeship in other words, yeah. That's where evangelism lives. When? I think so, yeah,
1: I think so, because a lot of people jump up and down and go, look at me, look at me, look at me, look what I know, this is what I can do, and people are searching, people are looking, you know, people are trying to get answers, and and the the people who are searching and seeking and looking for an alternative or looking for something that's going to provide an answer will, will seek the advice of someone who says that they know that they know what they're doing, but will quickly find out that they don't really know what they know they're doing. You know what I mean. So do you think? And, yeah, yeah. And so we we see this, and like, yeah, you know, certainly in times in my career, I've I've been guilty of that. I've, you know, a little bit of knowledge becomes quite uh, dangerous, and you see that, and uh, and that whole evangelism phase that many many people go through with enthusiasm and excitement, and it's really nice, but at the end of the day, it almost becomes a little bit dangerous, and uh, and and we've almost, got that in a little
0: bit, surely, the, the, the
1: definitely well, does, and I, they can be very very dangerous you and I know of people that are going through situations at the moment as a result of being um, caught up in the little bit of knowledge scenario and sprouting it about saying that it's good for everybody everything and of course that can come undone and, and you know people can become unstuck and unfortunately in Australia and unfortunately too there's I mean we've got a lot of regulation in it. Australia, it's very much an anti-state We're very over legislated and over protected and all that sort of stuff but there is some degree of protection for the public um with the professional health um you know agencies that kind of regulate the industries that are you know charged to be the you know the the, the highest qualifications so i'm not saying that only the highest qualifications can do this job however the highest qualifications you know, the highest qualifications
0: tonight, do the apprenticeship. This is, I know, it's general in nature. The
1: appre- well, do they do the qualification, but then there's another level of apprenticeship that I think's got to happen from that. So, I think that it's good because I see, you know, 50 year chiropractors coming out and they're really excited, and but they're not necessarily really good chiropractors yet. You know, they might be able to move a bone, they might be able to adjust the spine, um, but they're not. You're not feeling it yet. And I reckon it took me a couple of years to become a good chiropractor. It's going to take me a lot longer to become a great chiropractor. And then it's going to take me longer again to become a masterful chiropractor. And that could be, you know, 30 more years down the track. It just takes time to get there. The same thing to be said as a naturopath when I was studying to be a naturopath. And I remember studying to be a naturopath, and one of our lecturers said to us, you know, you've got to be vegetarian. I've gone, okay. So I decided that I was going to be a vegetarian. And um, and I was dating a girl at the, at the time, and I went around to her, her parents' house, and it was a Sunday night, and we had Sunday night roast. Now, I think I was in uh, first or second year of atropathic school at the time, so I didn't really know a lot, but I had enough information to be dangerous. You know, all of a sudden, homeopathy could, could cure cancer. Were you evangelistic? And, oh, my gosh, it's embarrassing. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, sitting at the dinner table, and i and they're saying, "Would you like some meat?" I said, "No, thanks. I'm a vegetarian." And they just looked at me like I remember was uh, just dropping her uh, her her gaze over the top of her glasses at me and just rolling her eyes. <laughs> she was a nurse, and then went back to um, to go and you know serve dinner for everybody else. And then you know the dad, you know my ex the girlfriend at the time's dad, uh, Bry, he's gone. I'm not using their real names, right? I'm just, I just was throwing more of Brian there just because I just want to mix it up. Um, and he's looked at me and he's just like done a little smile and gone, hmm, <laughs> this kind of thing, right? Hmm. And I've gone, well, can you smell the smell, like the smell of the meat? You know, can you smell that? And they're going, yeah, the smell is delicious. I've gone, well, that's the hormones from the lamb when it was stressed and that's the adrenaline burning and that's the smell you're smelling because the lamb was so petrified that it was going to be killed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so,
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Seriously, right? It haunts me to this day that I – and I can still recall. Oh, that i 20- tell you what. Ago. 20-something years ago. That, I, oh, that, that is awesome. That
0: 23.
1: It's 23 years, 23 years ago. And so I was um, – <laughs> it haunts me, that whole conversation. All of my girlfriend's brothers and sisters looked at me and then they just got on with eating. And I was there eating five potatoes. <laughs> five potatoes on a plate oh, I starving. Oh, but I think too... they felt serve you right, Damon. Anyway, so it was – you know, <laughs> Was it like the first oh, time you'd met them all? No, it would have been early in the piece. It was early oh, in the piece. Oh, wow. Anyway, so, you know, you can get on your high horse and you can say stupid things. Like, that's ridiculous. It's like when I watched um, that movie, What the Health? Yeah. And they said that eating an egg's like smoking five cigarettes. <laughs> what a bunch of freaking monkeys that would say something like that. Well, we and buy so- five dozen
0: cigarettes, five dozen uh uh, eggs for the Pierce family each week. So, how many cigarettes are we smoking
1: as a family? You, you guys are on death row, mate. Uh-huh. I can like I'll be coughing and coughing and coughing. Uh. <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, so here's the thing: um, when you don't know enough, you say dumb things and you do stupid things, and uh, and and that's all part and parcel with having some education but no experience. And I think what you're getting at and where you're reading about this mastery is that you've got to you've got to learn some stuff. But then you've got to develop some experience, and then it's at the experiential level. And you've you've had a few things that worked, and a few things that didn't work, um, and then you can understand why things didn't work, and then why things did work, and how you can make the next opportunity do better things. It's that that's the apprenticeship. You know, the learning bit is that's the little that's bit. It's one gets
0: stage, you, yeah. That that's gets
1: you good enough to get a ticket to get out there, and it should make you safe enough, but it doesn't make you good enough to be. You know, necessarily the expert. So it's years and years and years and years. And so seven years is great. But I recall apprenticeships, you know, only going for three years when I was, you know, in the eighties. apprenticeships seemed to be a three or four year apprenticeship. But these days they're probably even less. And I I think when you look at medicine, when you look at mainstream medicine, they do their undergraduate medical degree, bachelor of science. Then they go on to study um, medicine after that, and then they go and do hospital rounds and so you get the junior doctors in the hospitals. They do the internship. That's a
0: really important part of. Apprenticeship that I think, yeah. particularly in chiropractic, it's it's almost like oh I know there's parts of that course which have um, internships, um, but yeah. that's a massive part of a, a quality apprenticeship, which is why I think seven years was was the number in the days gone by, because a large chunk of that seven years was hands-on experience. I mean, I don't know about yeah. you, Damo, but I in my you know my journalism degree was three years, but I learnt more in one day of radio. At a, at a real radio station than I did in three years of journalism. Like oh, yeah. the value 100%. of hands-on is just yeah. exponentially greater than the book knowledge.
1: 100%. Like the book knowledge just gets, it gets the synapses cranky in the brain so that when you actually really have to apply it, you can formulate by algorithms what's supposed to happen. But what then really happens is that where the real learning actually takes place.
0: So, the challenge that I think, and I'd love your insight because you're much closer to this than than I am, but just looking at a far, looking afar, you know, and I suppose I think of, you know, clients would come to me and say, I've just done this life coaching course. Can you help me set it up? Or I've just done this, you know, health coach course. Can you help me kind of, you know, turn it into a business and all the rest of it? And it's like, I I want people to succeed. I I don't, you know, 100% want people to succeed. But you also want people to serve their apprenticeship. You want people. You don't want people to go out there. And one thing that I'm observing in social media, it's like whoever screams the loudest gets the most attention. Particularly with say a, a documentary, it's like if you scream loud that you know an egg is like smoking five cigarettes. It's a little bit sad, but some people are going to listen.
1: Um, oh my gosh, so, so many people have listened. There's a lot of people making some really, I think, big errors in their lifestyle as a result of listening to evangelists. To evangelists,
0: So how do we help people like, and and, and I say this with all the love in the world, like wonderful people, wonderful well-meaning people that are not doing an apprenticeship, but they've got love in their hearts and they want to help the world. But the format or almost like the environment that they're in doesn't allow for an apprenticeship in, 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 in the old school way. I mean it can still be done a number of ways, and, and it would be remiss of us not to kind of explain some of the apprenticeships that can be done. but you know what what do you say to people that, that are kind of attempting to build a business off a, a short course career type thing?
1: I think just be really careful. Like I think you know it's great to have um, a little piece of the map, but if you don't know the whole of the Melways, like if you don't know all of the territory or if your GPS battery's gone dead, then don't try and navigate everything. Like, just know your limitations. Know what it is that you do know that you're really good at. If you've heard that something might be good for somebody, then find someone who's actually properly specialized or skilled in that particular area to refer to them. It's a far better thing. It's far more powerful for you and your business um, and for you and your career and you and, you know, your your community to be able to refer to someone who knows better than you do on how to do something if you really desire to go down a specific pathway with your short course qualification if you really want to do something and you really want to do it well then go and do an apprenticeship go and work with someone in that field so that you can learn from them what it takes to actually get things right so just because you've done your two years nutrition degree doesn't necessarily mean you can now go and start to manage diabetes. Just because you've done if you were a doctor, two-
0: you'd go into an internship and follow the senior doctors around to see yeah. what they do with people that have diabetes, so to speak. Or same in you know, in, in many other fields, you would you would observe the master for a long time before you went and did it yourself.
1: I recall coming out as a chiropractor as a chiropractor from five years of chiropractic school i you know i saw the most amount of people in my uh undergraduate clinic environment I, I think i i did about you know 12 or 1300 adjustments in that time which is was a you know a really high number at the time and uh, and it, more than anybody else in the, in my year level and i got to my first job as a chiropractor and i was like Oh, these are real people. What what, what do I do? And well, the you know,
0: robots in, in student <laughs> clinics. <laughs> well you just real knew that human student- beings. But paying you well, full fees.
1: In your student yeah. clinic what you actually had was um, a supervisor there explaining what you could do and what was a good approach and and then, you know, you would run a few ideas, you know, by them and they'd say, Yeah, that's a good idea and then you'd do it and um, and if it didn't work you had the supervisor there to assist you to, you know, set up for the next thing and then you you know, do something else and it was it was it was different you know so you go into your you know first associateship and you're in your first associateship and someone rocks up um antalgic you know can't bend forward can't sit down and can't lie down can't walk straight um bent over with a disc injury and you're like oh my gosh how do i manage this you know what am i supposed to do when someone's actually really in pain um because as a student you don't tend to see those in your in your student clinic days and so um The first thing that I did was I asked my principal chiropractor for some assistance, for some help, and so I went in there as an associate um, to learn, and so I spent three years in my associate role there, and I learned a whole lot of stuff, and still, when I got out of there, I have still had to learn a whole lot more, so seven years down the track from that point. Um, i feel like i'm better off now in terms of managing people's health or people's well-being their spine their you know all of that um, gastrointestinal function as a naturopath you know 20 something years now in that whole field but there's still so much more to learn there's still so much more to do um, but i'm way better than what i was
0: but that's you know a major I mean. part of the philosophy which a lot of people are missing is that intense curiosity to be a lifelong learner or always be a student. Like you're always wanting to learn more and grow. Whereas the challenge that I think a lot of people have mentally is that they feel that once they've learned something, they know it. And that's where that evangelism comes in. It's like they're closed off from being wrong. They're closed off from maybe not having a full understanding of something. And a lot of the time, it was a master that opened their eyes up to a more holistic view of the world or of that uh, profession or of the actual uh, job skill. Um, 100%. 100%. So, I mean, if you can if you can just, you know, wave your crystal ball, what do you reckon people, how is that going to shift? Because I'm a little bit um, cynical is not the word. I don't have a great deal of confidence that it's going to shift. I feel that people will become more evangelical. They will become more tactical, you know, just, on one thing and and just you know shouting from the rooftops about that one thing which has worked for them which may be completely inappropriate for someone else like um, where do you see this going? Obviously our view is that an apprenticeship is absolutely vital. But where do you see this going um, in the world?
1: I think that. Um... It's going to get worse before it gets better, to be honest with you, mate. I think we're going to see a whole lot of uh, things occur, a whole lot of things happen and the result of that will be that uh, in Australia, at least, we're, we're going to probably find a whole lot more regulation's going to come into the marketplace. That's what, I was,
0: that's what I was thinking, yeah. Regulation will probably be the thing that…
1: Which is improve. a real shame.
0: Yeah, but is that the only it's, way that it can be improved with you know, so many people in the world? Is that…
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's got to be regulated. It's almost got to be legislated that in order to provide certain types of information, you've got to have, you know, some degree of proficiency. Um, I think it's really important. The shame of that is that where individuals um, have gone on to do further study and have gone on to do further training or have learned extra skills along the way or have, you know, done their 10,000 hours in practice but may not have the, I suppose, the legislated qualification – um, that that's that, that might that might limit the scope of certain practitioners to be able to do certain stuff but I think you've actually got to be a practitioner to be able to do something with somebody's health you know what I mean and so the other thing that could happen is you could find that some courses become trimmed down so as a result of a course becoming trimmed down the scope of practice of a particular um, type of practice or style of practice might actually become restricted uh, because the uh, institution that's teaching, um, which is the, the the foundation, the groundwork of it, uh, has trimmed the practice, you know, or trimmed the training uh, for financial reasons, or political reasons, or whatever else. And so then, um, you know, take the case of say chiropractic. If if the chiropractic course uh, in Melbourne decided to drop pediatric training, then you would see that chiropractors. Um, regardless of whether or not chiropractors in the past have done the training, um, chiropractors may not be able to see children. Oh, even
0: if if someone, even if a car has been seeing kids for 20 years and they've been traveling the world, they're even lecturing on it and all the rest of it.
1: Yeah, so you can see that broad-based blanket Legislation, uh, registration, restriction come into play. Uh, Same thing around nutrition. You know, you might find that um, uh, naturopaths, because they aren't a regulated uh, industry in Australia, if they choose not to become regulated, you might find the government says, well, unless you're uh, regulated, you're not able to uh, prescribe medicinal therapeutic doses of. Of particular nutrients or herbs because they're class- they could classify them as drugs and and that is a very real threat to australia at the moment um and uh, and then as a result you'll find people with a naturopathic qualification four years out um, might have been practicing or four years in degree might have been practicing for 10 or 20 years doing things very safely and getting great results but because of legislation registration and regulation uh, because of the few people that are out there that are doing, you know, um dodgy, dodgy things. things, like Belle Gibson, for example. Um, <laughs>
0: oh her the, name or, will always be brought up on <laughs>
1: Uh, well she stuffed it up for a lot of people you know she really did and there's other people out there that you know with good intent are stuffing it up for a lot of people they're doing things that are outside their scope they're doing things that are outside their training Um, their training might be relatively basic in terms of the sciences and they don't know enough about physiology or anatomy uh, but they're making broad sweeping claims and and broad sweeping uh, treatment protocols in around the gut or in around the nervous system, in around the brain uh, because they've had some experience themselves as a mother or a cousin or as a auntie or whatever it is and so they now feel that they can go and preach on that and that's evangelism and that's really dangerous.
0: I've got one last question on this. and yep. I, um, I know I know that, that psychologists – have and I don't know if it's regulated but it could be and maybe this is something that the powers that be could consider is that they almost, uh, it's not that they necessarily have a mentor but they have to share like are they difficult case studies or case studies with another psychologist? Yeah. Um, And it's got to be done a certain, it might be, have to be done one every two weeks or it is, there's definite num- like a regular period of time or a set amount of hours that they must be, in uh, communication with, uh, again, a mentor or a, a another psychologist, so to speak. So there's a yeah, real it. accountability around sharing what's going on, what's challenging, what's working, what's not working, and all of the rest of it. Um, and like you said, the regulation could be really complicated, but something even just simple like that to have some – Forced growth on the profession, on any profession, um, mm. whether you're a builder or a, a health professional or a lawyer or whatever you are, where you constantly because then it constantly trains in the 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 learning um, desire or the or the you know having a mentor like for your entire career, like you're always learning from someone. Um, I think that's just um, invaluable, and I think uh, yeah, as we've said a number I of times, so too. Of people have, yeah. have lost that, but.
1: I think that's profession, like that's the association that's actually um, ensured that that actually takes place. That, yes. I don't think that's part of regulation or re- or registration. It's actually to be a member of the association, you'd have to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really good thing because within the association, they're wanting to strengthen all other psychologists, you know, coming Correct. out into the Correct. profession, which is great. So it's yeah. a profession-driven self-regulation. Um, You know, set up. And I think that'd be great for naturopathy, it'd be great for chiropractic, it'd be great for osteopathy. I think it'd be great for anybody that's outside of the mainstream medical um, realm to have that opportunity to, uh, you know, have peer review or peer coaching uh, within their profession.
0: Yeah, uh, good work. So we'd love to uh, know what you think about this episode, guys. There's so much to talk about. More than anything, obviously, our views are both on our own life experiences but on what we see around the world, that an apprenticeship is a valuable, absolutely valuable um, time well spent, particularly if you're in your career for the long haul. Um, We'd love to know your feedback. We'll pop a link to that book, Mastery by Robert Green, in the show notes. Uh, For more info on Damo, head over to DamianChristophe.com, myself, MarcusPierce.com.au. And uh, remember, go to thewellnesscouch.com to check out the entire range of podcasts available, including, congratulations, great man, the relaunched version of The Wellness Guys Show. Until next week, (laughs) continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life we hope you enjoyed this edition of 100 not out now if you love this episode and you love longevity then you are invited to join damien and i at our 2018 longevity experience on the greek island of ikaria this is a nine night 10 day all-inclusive immersion based at thayer's inn and restaurant TripAdvisor's number one place to be in Icaria. Together, we'll be living the Icarian lifestyle eating, moving, dancing, socializing, learning, and a whole lot more. This is a lifestyle that has 80% less dementia. less cancer, 20% less heart disease, and the highest count of centenarians per capita in the world. They don't call it the island where people forget to die for nothing. To find out more and to apply, go to www.100notout.com. Applications are processed on a first-in-first-served basis, so even if you aren't 100% sure, your best bet is to fill out the application form. It is completely free to apply and only takes two minutes. We would love to have you there, so head over to 100notout.com. For all the info. Until next week, thanks again for your support and may the rest of your life be the
1: best of your life. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives